Why, hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kinda rowdy and we've got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away That's pretty exciting, right Omega? Indeed! Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of HIAC Talk Radio. Um, yes, I know, Ban Ash, it was you joking. The Iron Shike, or whatever you just tried to spell. Uh, welcome to another edition of HIC Talk Radio. I'm the other guy, Dan Kyle Chico. With me, as always, is the professor, the great Craig Lagans. We're going to have our first edition of Black History Month wrestling historian. That's an assumption on me, being that he's a black man and it's February. I don't know. I hope I hope there's some credence to what I just said, or I'm going to look like a really... <laughs> cracker ass cracker, but welcome to <laughs> Talk Radio, uh, or or as we like to call him, well, Badass. There's one person that likes to call you this. It's one person, Professor Leggins, um, from Badass, because uh, Badass is on a different plane than even I am. Yeah, you can't reach that plane at all. Thank you for joining us, though, Badass. So, um, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, we're recording. Yeah, we are recording. We are recording. No, no. I, I, there's a whole sentence coming, Greg. Uh, we're recording. <laughs> we're recording uh, during. Well, AEW is going to be airing soon, which reminds me, I should put it on. And there is going to be a debut tonight. I was going to wait till the end, closer to when it was actually going to happen. But Sox is in the chat. Uh, for those who are listening and are not watching live. If you go to danlaw.tv every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, you can, can participate in the chat, too. You can go to danlaw.tv or go to Twitch, go to YouTube, go to Facebook, go to Twitter, any one of those four places, and participate live with us. Um, Sox says it's gold dust. Sox's um, theory is that okay. uh, the rights, <laughs> yeah, no, I know, that the rights um, for the WWE use of Goldust has um, expired and Tony Khan bought them. Uh, let me also preface this by saying, because I want your opinion on this, because I think our opinions on the second part of this will align. Mm-hmm. Apparently, since the beginning of the year, Tony Khan is the sole booker. Not, 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 um, uh, not not Omega, not, not Kenny Omega, not the Young Bucks, not Cody. Not it's Tony Bucks. right now. Whether or not we're not going to agree on if we like this. Well, actually, we will agree on where we're like, oh, it's Tony. But I'm glad it's just one person and not 15 guys and clearly somebody who didn't care about the women's division. But that's second. First, it mm-hmm. might be Goldust. I'm going to throw two more names out. I said I'm hoping it's Keith Lee. Yeah. The now the now married Keith Lee marrying me Yim this weekend. They are now Yimitless. <laughs> that's their that's them, not me. I didn't make that up. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, in my opinion. Or and I, it didn't occur to me until so, oh since last year he's been booking by himself. Okay, good. Um, 
it didn't occur to me until after I got off the stream last night and Sox was talking to me about this the, during NHL 22. William Regal. Those are the names. So your thoughts first on who do you think is coming out tonight on the show? I mean, um, who would I think? I have no idea. I can't. I, I only know who I hope would come who, out. Well, who do you hope? And, and of those names, obviously, Keith Lee would be um, very exciting to see in the ring, uh, especially with so many people that uh, that know him and he's had good programs with, namely uh, Adam Cole, baby, and um, some most of the guys from the Undisputed era. Uh, but he also um, can have a, a great program with any of the other talented wrestlers in AEW, like a, a Ricky Stark. Or I'd see him and him and Hobbs would be a good um, matchup. Uh, William Regal, I would love, but the only my only reason why I don't love it as much as if it would be Keith Lee is because when AEW signs or brings over big name former wrestlers from the WWE. They bring them in with a lot of hype and then promptly put them in the witness protection program. <laughs> Why is Mark Henry just on for 12, 20 seconds saying it's time for the main event? Why is Paul White not anywhere on any national TV show anywhere? What is he doing? So to have Steven Regal there would be amazing. But I've seen what they do with big name talent from the W, big name former wrestler from the WWE. They do nothing with them. Uh, Mark Henry could be in someone's corner. Paul White could be a special enforcer or just something to keep him on camera. Someone that people know. You don't have to stick him back in the ring unless it's a use him like an attraction, use him like you did Andre, have him be someone's. Special tag team partner. Have him be a, like I said, a special enforcer or, you know, handcuffed to somebody at ringside, constantly interferes. I know that's a stretch because absolutely no, no managers on AEW interfere. You have two of the greatest wrestlers, talkers, minds in wrestling, Tully and Arn, and they're pretty much like Parsley on at ringside. They don't interfere at all. They're just there to, you know, as garnish, which is, Again, ridiculous. What's the point of having a former wrestler, a former big-time name as a manager if he doesn't get involved? So um, those are the people I, I'd like to see. So of those three, uh, well, the, of the, the least like, the, the person I least want to see is Goldust. <laughs> Again, you're, you're going to rebrand a 54-year-old wrestler, and nothing gets Dustin Rhodes. He's doing, you know, when he does wrestle, he... He still has it. He's in amazing shape. He looks great. He does it better than most of the, you know, the guys that are, he's 30 years older than. But what's, what's Goldus going to do? That's okay. going to make a difference. Probably make a bunch of commentary about the homeless country in the country and other dumb things that he said. I mean, it's a good theory, socks, but it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't knock my socks off. Doc. <laughs> hey, hey, boom. Uh, and uh, she looks like X23. That's it. Uh, badass said Thunder Rosa. She looks like X23. Only reason I like her. You should also like her because Thunder Rosa is awesome. Yeah. But 
Yeah, she's no Laura Kinney, but she looks she's like. <laughs> uh so yeah, so Tony Khan since last year has been the sole booker, apparently. Tony and Thurston. W uh, oh rough America. Wow, hold on, everybody. Okay. In the in the this just in in the chat right now on Facebook, I'm going to use his work name. I'm not going to use his shoot name. But, uh, one American Roughneck is watching on Facebook right now. Welcome, welcome, sir. Yes, uh, he says WWE stars bought and buried. Exactly, exactly yeah, what we exactly. said. Yes. Um. So Tony Khan's had the book and. We can talk about how we feel about Tony Khan in a second, but this also uh, uh, touches upon what you and I, you mainly, but you and I have discussed in the past, where Kenny Omega doesn't care about the women's division, the Young Bucks only put themselves over, and Cody Rhodes only books his friends and puts himself over. Uh, yeah. And to my PS to that story is, is there's a lot of men who are a lot like Dusty, and you're nowhere near it. Um, he's Dusty, you're not. Uh just to recap real quick, when they had that press conference and they said, we're not going to do this, we're not going to be like the WWE, we're not going to be like this. And even I was like, I'm going to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. Like when somebody is elected president, them doing well only benefits everybody. Yes. So even if it was someone I didn't like, or I didn't which is for. the last eight goddamn years, <laughs> period, I'm like, well, Fresh slate. Let's see what happens. Right. I did the same with AEW, knowing full well mm -hmm. who Cody is, and I like Cody, but yes, it was what everybody thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, the Young Bucks are a fine tag team. I don't think they're as good as they say they are, uh, and don't deserve that spot. I just realized it didn't shave and it's showing up on the shadow of the camera. <laughs> Um, it's like, what the hell is that? Oh, that's my beard. Um, uh, be I say beard. That's not a beard. Nobody has a beard compared to American Roughneck, the retired American Roughneck. Yeah. It's gorgeous beard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Kenny Omega booked the women's. We you had what Nyla Rose. It was simple, and you, it was good. Yeah. Anyway, Tony Khan's the one booking the show now. Um, let's let's go off about that. <laughs> At least it's one person, Craig. Yes, one it's person. It's a start. One person who's never done it before. One person who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. One person who's just a fan, period, and who lets his buddies run the show. I know he's, by him being the only booker, he has final say, but it's like the his buddies and young bucks come up, hey, let's bring FTR in and let us get a win over them and then let, uh, let them never wrestle us again. So they won't ever get their uh, revenge and we can say that we're the best and we can bury them. Okay, let's do it. Or let's do a song and dance with uh, Jericho and MJF and it'll be really funny. Trust me, it'll be funny, Tony. Let's do this. Sure. Hey, um, I knew these girls when I was in Japan. I knew them when they were 12 and 14, but they're really good now. Can we bring them over and like make them push them to the moon and make them the unbeatable um, women's champions in the AEW? Sure, Kenny. I'll approve it. So, yeah, one person is in charge, but one person is listening to all his wrestling buddies that are only looking out for themselves. 
So yeah, one booker is good, but when the one booker is, you know, that has never done it before, doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, you get AEW. I just wanted to make, I wanted to rectify something and add something. Uh, Roughneck said in reference to, <laughs> I don't know why, the way you can hear his voice saying it, I guess that's why it's that funny. Also, it's true in reference to the Young Bucks spot, vet, spot fest tool bags. Yes. Yes. Uh, also, um, uh, as, far, as far as Kenny Omega, he's a money mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sox had to yell at me and, and remind me that he has a lovely beard as well. So compared to both Sox and American Roughneck, and the Sox, I only say it like that because American Roughneck has about 50 years of beard on you. <laughs> um, my beard, th- this is peach fuzz, is my point. I was just saying, I don't usually go two days without shaving, and I saw a channel, I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but no, I... I, 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 and let me just go out and just say this. Um, why does it say I'm playing Madden 16? I don't know. I've never played Madden 16. That's YouTube for you. Thank you, YouTube. Um, I, I, I think they should hire somebody as a booker, period. Yes. Hey, and what about which, it? That's Stephen Regal. Go ahead. That's what I was. Craig! Wow. Great minds, motherfucker. No, um, which brought me back to the original question was, is I hope that's why Darren, Mr. Regal, because I, I wonder if they'd be able to call him Steven Regal. Yeah. Huh. But that's why Mr. Regal, a.k.a. Right. the other Darren that I, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, that's why I kind of hope he was being brought in. Like, you know what? It's yours here. Yeah. Here's the book. Here's the book. Yeah. You take care of this, buddy. Uh, I'll be the owner. And yeah. um, uh, uh, and these guys will be the stars. And, and Adam Page will finally figure out what to do with him. Oh, by the way, if it's Keith Lee, shoot him to the moon. Push him yeah. to the moon. My God, I want to reiterate what I said two weeks ago, just so I could use it in another clip. Again, if you don't believe in Keith Lee, you're a friggin' moron. Sorry, Craig. No, it's okay. I agree. If if that's if Stephen William Darren Stevens is the higher, then um, and if he is actually going to be hired to be the Booker, then I will sacrifice him not being on television for that. It's the guys that you bring in and don't put on TV and that are doing nothing, like your Mark Henrys and big shows that I have a problem with. But if Stephen if Steven Regal is going to book AEW, and that means I don't get to see him on TV. I'm cool with that because I know we'll have a superior product than what we have right now from AEW. But yeah, so yes, Tony Khan is the there. There is one person which there should always be in a wrestling company. One booker, one person that the buck stops with. Uh, it just shouldn't be him. Just like it shouldn't be Vince in WWE, which is why it's in the, the current. Um, flaming pit of hell that it's in now because he's the one guy and why NXT is falling off the map because the one guy that did do a Triple H is gone so it, and it really sh- goes it really shows to go you how important a booker who knows what the hell they're doing specifically a former wrestler who can put guys to borrow first Mandy Reed put the guys in, in the best situations to win or to get over 
um, who knows the strengths, the play to the strengths of the people that the, the cards he's been dealt. He knows indie guys, and he knows guys that Vince wouldn't like, the guys that don't don't have you know the stature or the bulk, but you still put him in position so they can show up what they can do best. The Undisputed Era was the best faction on television, period. They were all indie guys that Triple H knew, and all guys that wouldn't that Vince wouldn't give a second look to, but they ruled. They were the best faction. Like I said, they were the best faction on any show. When NXT was the best wrestling promotion in North America. And that was due to Triple H and in no small part to, to Steven Regal. <sighs> yeah. And now look where it is. I still won't forgive them to uh, for the uh, the Nyla Rose thing. It wasn't that hard. It's it's served up to you on a silver platter. You have the perfect. Not only you have a, a perfect wrestler, but you have the perfect angle for this female wrestler. You have them run. You have her run through everybody, and have the controversy be well. Her gender is what gives her the advantage. And the counterpoint will go, well, if you think it is, then try and beat me. Okay, I, I'm a woman. I'm the woman's champion. That's your problem. And you just beat one after the other. You have a natural heel right there. And if, even if people support her, for her choice, you still have someone that people are going to pay to see because you created that narrative that this woman has an unfair advantage by beating everyone. It's it. I hate to use a phrase that writes itself, but how do you how do you mess that up? And then how do you have a ninety pound Japanese teenager beater consistently to the point where it doesn't even mean anything if anyone beats Nyla Rose? And then you finally do give her a victory, and it's over someone who you shouldn't be beating, namely Ruby Soho. And we're live in Atlantic City. For oh, is, it, is, it, is, it a, is it an AC tonight? It is an AC right now. Oh, I guess I'm not going to that show. <laughs> we're opening up. <laughs> yeah, I guess you missed that. Uh, I guess I missed that one. Uh, we're opening up, walking to the ring with Maxwell, Jacob, Freeman. Um, playing, but it's War Dog coming out. Well, darn. Gentlemen and ladies, uh, welcome again to a special edition of HIEC Talk Radio, special only because we're coming to you in February. Um, and we've done February HIEC Talk Radios before, but uh, this is special uh, yeah. only because I'm doing it in my mime outfit. And um, doing it for you all, Black. Uh, celebrate Black History Month. I was going to say, you're dressed like Peter Gabriel, 1972. <laughs> just like Marcel Marceau. Marcel Marceau. <laughs> Marcel Marceau. Uh, but I'm we're going to pay tribute to uh, uh, This Week in Wrestling History, um, where so many great things happened. Um, title changes occurred that some would say changed the course of professional wrestling. And... We're going to focus in on something uh, not exactly history related, 
but it was a uh, something that my tag team partner, uh, the other guy, put out to me, and I want to unveil it today on this edition of Wrestling Historian. So while we will look back on the week that was in professional wrestling history, uh, we're also going to count down a list that I made up uh, thanks to a nudging from Dan Calachico, and we're going to count it down on this edition of the Wrestling Historian. But first... How do I have no idea what you're talking about? That's the idea. Okay? Okay. No one else does either. But for now, we're going to look back at wrestling history. Uh, One of the uh, biggest uh, moments in uh, NWA wrestling history. Some would say we changed the course of professional wrestling in the NWA. Happened in Toronto, Canada. Maple Leaf Gardens. February 6, 1977. Terry Funk, after a year, solid year, in two months as champion. Uh, some would call it an upset. And Terry Funk lost his NWA title to a man who had previously been the shortest reigning NWA champion of all time. But nevertheless, Terry Funk lost the NWA title February 6, 1977 to an Indian deathlock. He gave up. There was no tap outs back then, but he gave up, surrendered the NWA championship to Harley Race, who became an NWA champion for the second time. But some were calling it an upset because previously when Harley Race was the NWA champion, he'd only held it for, for 57 days. The term transitional champion was applied to him because uh, Harley had beaten Dory Funk Jr. And he lost it to Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe had been in line to be NWA champion for uh, a while. His matches with Dory Funk Jr. across the United States from Florida to Texas went to one-hour draws and were genuinely regarded as the greatest championship matches in wrestling from 1968 to 1972. But Dory wouldn't drop that belt to Jack, at least not in Texas. Enter Harley Race, who beat Dory Funk Jr. in Texas and would lose the NWA title to Jack Briscoe. And in a cruel irony, Harley Race was awarded the NWA championship belt, the new one, the gold belt, the one that we've come to know and love as the 10 pounds of gold. He was awarded that belt when he defended it against Jack Briscoe, only to lose it to Jack Briscoe. So Harley Race even presented the new was presented the new NWA title, but wouldn't get to hold it until February 6th, 1977, when he defeated Terry Funk. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> That's one of it. It's it's happened a couple times since where a company will come up with a brand new shiny belt, present it to a champion who's been champion for a while, and they immediately lose it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite little dirty. Well, Harley Race, after beating Terry Funk, would break that 57-day-old record, so he would no longer be the shortest reigning NWA champion sure. of, of all time. In fact, after his reign with Terry Funk, some would argue that 
Harley Race would go on to be the greatest NWA champion of all time. He would hold that belt six more times uh, and set a standard that many other wrestlers uh, have not even measured up to, one of which was Ric Flair, who a lot of people after Harley would say he was synonymous with the NWA belt. Rick would tell you himself, it, the belt was nothing until Harley Race held it. The fact that I beat Harley Race, that's when he coined the phrase to be the man, you got to beat the man, because for the, mo- for the longest time in his career, Harley Race was the man. And when I think of an NWA champion, of the NWA champion, of that 10 pounds of gold belt, I think of Harley Race. And that reign of greatness started February 6, 1977. Ben Ash goes, Ric Flair, that's the woo guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, amongst other things, he's the woo guy, yes. Yeah, that's Charlotte's, that's Charlotte's dad. <laughs> that's Charlotte's dad, yeah. <laughs> that's who that is. Um, uh, uh, woo. <laughs> woo. <laughs> uh, February 8th, 1986, uh, in the Boston Garden, um, Tito Santana would lose his Intercontinental Championship to a guy that a lot of people consider synonymous with the Intercontinental Championship and winning his first title in the WWF. Um, About six months after he debuted, Randy Savage would be the Intercontinental Champion and would hold that belt for uh, almost a year going into would lose a course at WrestleMania three, um, 1987. And at the time would be the longest reigning NWA champion, uh, intercontinental champion. I apologize. That record would be broken, uh, later by the guy who beat Ricky Steamboat. But while Randy Savage is long be considered the, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, or the people that, or see as synonymous when they think of Intercontinental Champions, they think of Randy Savage. They think of him kissing that belt. They think of the way he he held it and he and Miss Elizabeth. But like we pointed out many times on this very podcast, Dan, as great a champion as Randy Savage was, and he was a great Intercontinental Champion, only held it once. And that one time occurred February 8th, 1986. Macho Man does not get talked about enough uh, in circles anymore. And maybe it was because well, I'm to say it like this, take a little shot at Rick and Hulk and other people, but maybe it was because he was smart enough to drop out when he should have and just not go back. Like he wrestled one match and was it two? He made two appearances in TNA and he's like, I'm out. No, I'm out, yeah. brother. Step into a slim gym. I'm going home. And see, that's why I think that Savage may not get the credit he deserves as being one of the very best wrestlers of all time. Um, because people see him just as the character or as a character. Um, and a guy that, as uh, what I've always respected about him, when he said he was done, he was done. And there's so many wrestlers that couldn't take that cue, still don't take that cue. Rick! Rick, one we just talked about, Rick, Hulk, Mick Foley, Terry Funk. Um, when Savage said he was done, he was done, which is what I loved about him. But what people don't realize, or the older ones that just only know him as snap into a Slim Jim guy 
or the 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 wild outfits and the uh and the cowboy hats and the the glasses and stuff and even the, the old NWO Randy Savage towards the uh the early 2000s the Randy Savage from 1984 to 1986 was and you could see I you can make an argument for either Barry Windeberg or Ricky Steva was the best pound for pound wrestler in the world. Uh he wrestled in Puerto Rico because no one would hire him in the United States. Which uh, is crazy to think of years later. Uh it wasn't until Dutch Mantel who wrestled who booked for him in Puerto Rico wanted to bring him back to to, to Memphis because Randy's territory, the ICW, was in war with the Memphis territory with Jerry Lawler. Um, so there was some some heat there. Randy uh, in, said it was all business and he would uh, wouldn't cause any trouble. And his time in Memphis was uh, spectacular. And United States fans got to see how good this guy was. And he and his brother, Lanny, had a great run in Memphis. And when Jimmy Hart left to the WWF, it was Jimmy Hart who brought him to the WWF from Memphis. And fans got to see, finally, what Southern fans had already known, that this guy was the very best in the world that can go. And no one went from the mat to the top rope quicker than Randy Savage. No one was faster from rope to rope than Randy Savage. The matches he had that no one will ever see. What one-hour draws with Bobby Eaton uh, in matches in, in, in front of 120, 150 people in, uh, in Georgia, and in, uh, in Tennessee, and Alabama that no one would see. But there was no one wrestling-wise, again, from 84 to 86. And that's what I know some fans that weren't alive then or wouldn't, remember, wouldn't know that. But I'm telling you, fans who weren't alive then, that only know Randy Savage didn't snap into the Slim Jim guy with the loud outfits and stuff. Randy Savage was the single best wrestler in the United States for a period of time. I, I'll say I'll 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 double down and I'll raise you that he was probably one of the best. Not probably he was the best wrestler, if not one of the best wrestlers, going into the nineties. Yes, uh, him and Rick at WrestleMania, him and Brett anywhere. Yeah. Uh man, Macho Man was so good. Yeah. I mean, and him is so good. He'll hold up. And that's oh God, the- yeah. That's that's the match that Edge and Christian modeled their entire career on. Yes. With this one match. And mm-hmm. I mean that with the most respect and, and, and happiness possible and positivity possible. I mean, those two saw that match was like, oh, all right. Yeah. So do that. Yeah. And it's going to be 35 years this April that that match took place. 35th anniversary this year. And it still holds up. That's why I question um, the universe and if there's a God and, and fate sometimes. Because, you know, Macho Man went before Warrior and Hogan. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Come yeah. on. Yeah. By the way, I saw an article that said that Hulk Hogan posted a promo um, that was embarrassing the modern wrestlers today. I was like, "Why his promos weren't good in the eighties? What are you talking about?" Hogan is an embarrassment to modern wrestling now. So <laughs> he's an embarrassment to white people. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of Hogan. Oh, and, God. <laughs> uh, today, uh, today in wrestling history, February 9th, 1981, 41 years ago today, Memphis, Tennessee, the Mid-South Coliseum, in front of 9,073 fans, which was a near sellout in Memphis. Um, the main event that night was Jerry Lawler going up against a guy that had a reputation. Um, by this point, uh, this guy had already wrestled in Shea Stadium, had already wrestled in the Superdome, had already body slammed Andre the Giant, and had wrestled in Tennessee before when he was known as Sterling Golden. But on this date, 41 years ago today, Jerry Lawler took on for the first, last, and only time Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan would be managed for the first time 41 years ago today by Jimmy Hart. Trent, yep. Uh, and their match that took place in uh, in Memphis uh, made all the made, I remember made Pro Wrestling Illustrated because Hogan had left the WWF at this point, and but obviously because of the syndicated shows and because of the big matches that he had already had against Andre, they were seen. All over the world, the, the the Shea Stadium show, the Superdome show, and Madison Square Garden. He had had a run up with Bob Backlund uh, there. So syndicated wise, people knew the name Hulk Hogan, and because he had wrestled in in Tennessee early in his career as uh, Sterling Golden and as uh, Terry Boulder, um, he wasn't a stranger to Southern fans. But seeing him wrestle, uh, managed by Jimmy Hart against Jerry Lawler, made the main event. And neither man had a belt. This was just because of who Hulk Hogan was and who Jerry Lawler was. Uh, Jerry Lawler won the bout by disqualification. He took Jimmy Hart's cane and broke it and attacked Hogan with it. Uh, but yeah, that was their first and only match 41 years ago today. Uh, also, a year later, Actually, 40 years ago today in Tampa, uh, Ric Flair, before I mentioned Ric Flair, in the middle of his first NWA title reign, he um, had beaten Dusty Rhodes in September the previous year. But February 9, 1982, Ric Flair would lose the NWA Heavyweight Championship to the Midnight Rider, Tampa, mm -hmm. Florida. Mm -hmm. Fans were euphoric. Title had changed hands. Well, backstage, Bob Geigel, the NWA president, who was on hand to referee, so there would be no chicanery. Because previously, between Rick, when Ric Flair had wrestled in Florida and wrestled the Midnight Rider, there was tons of outside interference. Well, Bob Geigel, the NWA president himself, was the referee for that bout. And with no chicanery, the Midnight Rider pinned Ric Flair and won the NWA championship. Well, backstage, Bob Geigel, the NWA president, um, had to make sure that as the NWA champion, I've got to book the champion into foreign countries. We know we have a deal with Japan. We, we have NWA in Australia. So in order to do that, I'm just going to need your identity. And you can keep it to yourself, but I just need it for the paperwork so I can book you in foreign countries, you know, for your visa. And Ben Outrider said, I can't do it, baby. 
Well, why not? See, well, because speculation was that it was actually Dusty Rhodes under the hood of the Midnight Rider. You see, Dusty Rhodes, two weeks earlier, had lost a Loser Leave Town match to Kevin Sullivan. So when Dusty Rhodes could no longer wrestle in Florida for, for a month, the Midnight Rider appears. So when Bob Geigel said, you can't give me your name, if it was two weeks later, could you give me your name? And there was no answer by the Midnight Rider. So Bob Geigel had no choice but to retrieve the NWA belt from the Midnight Rider and return it to the previous champion, Dusty Rhodes. In one of the great angles in Florida championship wrestling history, fans there got to see an NWA championship change hands, told all their friends about it in school the next day. And then the very next week on Florida television, it all came revealed because, you know, a camera crew was there to record Bob Geigel, the NWA president, taking the belt back from the Midnight Rider. And so fans got were let down as Ric Flair was once again the NWA champion. Boo! Boo, and, I say! Boo, I boo this man! Boo! boo. But that was booked in its entirety by Dusty Rhodes. And that's how you book a uh, a championship change. That's not really a championship change. That's right, baby. <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat and a mask and nobody's going to know who I am. I'm even going to talk and nobody's going to know who I am. Do you understand? I'm a genius. I'm a genius, if you will. You can genius of myself. And I say, I walk out in public, if you will. In public, if, if you I will. Am. Yeah. All in black right now that no one knows who I am. And no one, I, don't, I didn't care if it's copied by Jimmy Valiant and Charlie Brown. I didn't care if it's copied by Junkyard Dog and Sagger Lee. I don't even care if it's copied by Barry Windham and Yellow Dog. I started first, baby. And no just, one's going to go with me the dream. Just remember that I started it first. There was everybody else after me. The Malcolm Dream. <laughs> Yes, he is. Yes, say the American dream. American dream. The American dream, if you will. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't even care if they're still doing it 40 years later, as long as they mention that it was me, the American dream, Justin Rhodes, in public, if you will, the fruit of my lawns, Justin. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck did you just say, Dusty? <laughs> just to, I just every time just a little side story. One of my favorite things because I love doing the impression. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite stories uh, from the aforementioned William Regal uh, is you know he gets hired by uh, WCW mm-hmm. and, he, and, he, and he goes into his first day. He's backstage and he's meeting everybody and he walks into a locker room and he turns a corner and it's Dusty Rhodes sitting there and it's Dusty Rhodes sitting there. Butt ass naked with just his cowboy boots on, a water in his hand, just sitting in the chair. And I forget there was like a security guy behind him or something. And he walks in and he's and he just <laughs> and he, to his own words, he looked like a melted Sunday sitting there in the chair. <laughs> and Regal walks up to shakes, hello, I'm I'm Stephen Regal. It's nice to meet you. And does he shake his hand, says hello, and then looks at him, looks at the bodyguard behind him, goes. You see him, just like Whitney Houston, I have my own bodyguard. 
fucking Regal was like, okay, great. And just walked in, left. (laughs) Dusty was on another planet. And that's Cody, why he'll never be your father. Yeah. Not that he's trying to be. I'm just saying, you know, when he's booking stuff, it's like, you're not Dusty. Yeah. There's only one reason the Dusty finish exists, and it's because of me, Daddy. Yes, even though I beat it to death. I beat it to death, and it's still beaten to death, mostly by the internet. <laughs> it is because of me, Dusty Modes, the American Dream. Uh, also on this date, um, happy 51st birthday to one of my favorite uh, female wrestlers of all time. And my favorite of the Godfather's hoes. You might know her as Victoria, but uh, happy 51st birthday to Lisa Marie Vaughn. Who became a great in women's wrestling. Yes. Without, there's very few people that will argue that. Uh, And if you're smart, the few people that would won't. Um, Victoria came on, came in. Wow. I'm glad I fixed that sentence. Came in on the arm of one godfather and made a name for herself. Mm-hmm. Well, she's TNA. Ah, bullshit. She's yeah. on the indie circuit, on all over TV, all over the world. She became a superstar. Yes. In of itself. Uh, she, yeah, she did it on her own. And I just had the biggest crush on her. I just thought she was absolutely Man. beautiful. She Great. I mean, no one looked like her. I mean, before China, she was tall. She was muscular. She was she was fit. She was a gymnast. She could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, she wasn't blonde with big boobs. that couldn't cut a promo and couldn't wrestle. She was a woman who got in the wrestling the way she was, but the way she did. But she was a wrestler. Daphne, the same the same way on a lesser scale, unfortunately, uh, got in the business as an actor. And stayed in the business as a wrestler all yeah. over the world. Yeah. Never take any credit away from Victoria. And I don't see a lot of people disrespecting her, but no. I'm sure there's a few that, you know, because people are stupid. Yes. But happy birthday, Lisa Marie Vaughn. Absolutely. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, now, Dan, with your permission. Um, no, you- stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I will stop. Okay. Uh, you put forth to me, uh, I brought up a um, something, and you put the yes, make a list of that. And I said, I will. So, on this very special edition of Wrestling Historian, I forgot to do that. <laughs> um, no, and this was, and it, it, some of it ties into the Black History Month because some of the people are on this list. But, gentlemen and ladies of HIAC Talk Radio, I put together a list. Um, that um, you didn't dare me. You just said, why don't you put this together? I was like, yes, because I've always had this in my head, but this is the first time I've written it down. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my list of, because of my frustration with the current wrestling product and what's been done over the years, I've compiled a list of the birth names of professional wrestlers who were just as good, if not better, than their ring names. So let me repeat this. These are the top 10 wrestlers whose given names were didn't need to be changed. Were just as good a wrestling, would have made just as good a wrestling name 
and if not better than their actual ring names. Okay. I'll give you an example. Number 10, uh, this guy wrestled under his real name for a, the early for the beginning of his career until he got to the to NXT and they gave him one of the traditionally stupid names that NXT is really good at. Other than messing up their own company, is giving wrestlers stupid names. Stupid names. <laughs> uh, number 10, uh, Trevor Lee. Cattle. It was it, but it, it, last name was Cattle, but went by Trevor Lee for the early part of his career until WD, WWE got a hold of him and said, "No, let's call you Cameron Grimes." Yeah, so that was Trevor Lee. Uh, guy yeah, I remember, I remember didn't, <laughs> didn't need to be changed. Being so excited when he came in, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, wait, what?" Yeah. Next, and you might see a trend here. Um, some of these, unfortunately, are in NXT. Next, uh, wrestler whose birth name is just fine, didn't need to be changed. Carissa Rivera, and they could even just call her Carissa King if they wanted, because Carissa Rivera is the daughter of Steve King, one of the greatest jobbers in WWF history. But no, because someone in creative in the WWE signed off by Vince McMahon said, well, she's Latina, so let's combine her with the only two Latin women I know, Carmen Electra and Jennifer Lopez, and we'll call her Electra Lopez. So instead of Carissa Rivera, which name is fine, was changed to Electra Lopez. That's number nine. Uh, I'm not even... Yeah. Number eight. Uh, this guy's name uh, was fine. It just could have stayed the way it is. But uh, Omari Palmer. Or even you could have just called him Omarion or Mario. But anyway, that's not as good as Odyssey Jones. Odyssey Jones just makes me mad. That name just makes me mad. But Amari Palmer was a good one. That was at number. That was number eight. Uh, this guy could have had the same career, but it probably would have gone a different direction given his birth name. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with his name. A wrestling name, a wrestler could go by and have a successful career as Chad Allegra. But given where his career went and who he patterned himself after, Chad Allegra wasn't going to cut it compared to Carl Anderson. Number seven. Dan, what's wrong with the name Trinity? Nothing. You're a female wrestler and you're just named Trinity. That's your name. 
and you could do everything. And this woman could do everything she's already done in her career with her birth name, Trinity. Or even if they use both Trinity McRae. But since WWE hates last names and only like one name, she could have just gone by Trinity instead of Naomi. Because apparently Trinity isn't black enough. <laughs> Actually, probably because it was too black for Vince. Yeah. Trinity, I am not naming her that, Pally. But that's her name. That's her given name. You don't have to change anything. Her name's Trinity. You, we can call her Trinity. One name, Trent. Nope, Naomi. That's number six. This guy... His given name lent itself to so many different things that you could do with him. And even if it was just a, to make him a character that was fighting, it could make him a face. He could be fighting for truth and fighting for freedom for others. Or you can make him a heel and say that his words are bond and his words mean everything. His ring name was Darren Young. His given name, Frederick Douglass. I didn't know that. Frederick Douglass Rosser. But you know you can go by the, the first two names. But having a wrestler named Frederick Douglass. So many things you can do with that. But You could even do the racist thing that Vince likes to do. Exactly. And it wouldn't be got me because that's his name. And then you can do the racist and gay thing that Vince likes to do. Yes. And again, that's his name. Frederick Douglass. But no, Darren Young. <laughs> that's number six. Uh, when did that go? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 6, 5. At number five. At number four. Dan. You. This guy's not even a wrestler, but it still grinds my gears, which is why he's on the list. Dan, what's wrong with the name Brian Kelly? Oh, nothing. That's great. Is a great name? Brian Kelly. I sent it over to Brian Kelly. Nice guy. Irish nice Irish name. Yeah. Well, not Irish enough because his name is Byron Saxton now. I'm okay with that one. I'll be the one to say I'm okay with it. There's nothing wrong with Brian Kelly, but if he just debuted as Brian Kelly, I have no argument. But retrospectively, I'm like, oh, Byron Sachs is badass, man. I know he doesn't have to be badass, but I, I like Byron. I I like Mr. Kelly either way. That, that was my number four um, wrestling great, great name that did need to be changed. Uh, number three, uh, I thought this name, given name, birth name, wrote itself because her name is Barbie Blank. Oh, yeah. This one pissed me off, too. She's blonde. She's beautiful. And her name could be Barbie and just an underscore right there. And you can fill it in with whatever you want. And But that could be her gimmick. She could be Barbie bitch, or she could be Barbie, you know, angel or Barbie, whether she's a face or a heel, but Barbie blank 
and you can fill in whatever. That was her given name. Her last name was blank. Her first name was Barbie. And she was blonde and statuesque and had a great body. She was a Barbie doll. But no, her wrestling name is Kelly Kelly. Less say about her, the better. Yes. My number two, and it really grinds my gears. My number two is number two. Given the way that the company has treated her and given the way the company has treated most women of Latin American descent, this woman had the perfect wrestling name that didn't need to be touched. But somehow she's called Zelina Vega when her given birth name is Thea Trinidad. Thea Trinidad. That one's stupid. Is a wrestling name. That could be a boxing, a female boxer's name. That could be a UFC champion's name. Thea Trinidad. A long history of fighters' names with the last name of Trinidad. Would have been there is nothing wrong with that name that you can make a ton of money with, but Zelina Vega is what they came up with. Again, something else you can build on. Yes. With the lineage of that name in sports in general and boxing and everywhere else. You can absolutely build on that in the wrestling world. And I don't want to hear that. Well, it's not a real family member. Uh Lance Von Eric, just the name one. (laughs) Exactly. None of the Andersons are related. Yeah. What? Huh? Yeah. You're going to tell me wrestling scripted too? Oh, fuck off. But Thea Trinidad is my number two of on my number two of the list of wrestlers with whose birth names were just as good, if not better, than their wrestler names. And coming in at number one, specifically, why I had this list made, but number one, because it is Black History Month, who better than possibly the most popular black wrestler of all time, given the longevity of his career and given the longevity of professional wrestling. He was, I don't know what to name first, his ring name or his birth name? Birth name first. His birth name could have been, is just as good. if His birth name, fuck it, is better than his ring name. He, you could have done just as much with his name because his birth name is a wrestling name. Ladies and gentlemen, from Benton Harbor, Michigan, standing at 6'4", 275 pounds, the United States heavyweight champion, Houston Harris. But no, we all know him as Bobo Brazil. I'm going to talk very whitely out of turn here. (laughs) Bobo seems really racist to me. Is that, is there any validity to that? Or is that just me being a libertard? No, well, like Bobo seems really condescending. Bobo. It is. Okay. Thank you. That's what I thought. Well, just like many African-American wrestlers at the time to appeal to a to appeal to a larger audience, someone that they 
they think will get over because I, and now there's some black wrestlers, namely a Dory Dixon, who was a great scientific wrestler and a great high flyer, but he wasn't going to be, he's not a million dollar act. He wasn't someone that people were going to pay great money to see. Houston Harris was this six foot four jet black, you know, built like a, you know, a, a, like a fucking fighter jet. Yes. And again, when six foot four meant you were a giant in wrestling. That's the only reason that, that Fritz von Eric got over because no one else was as big as him. Or to me, still a giant. Yes. But uh, to, in order to appeal, though, to make it less threatening, we'll give him a name like Bobo. Because people will pay to see a guy like Bobo because even though he's a big black badass and legitimate tough guy um, that no one wanted to mess with under any circumstances, we'll make him less threatening by giving him the name Bobo. Houston Harris comes to town. I'm not going to pay to see that guy because he's probably an angry black man. And he has got a name like a heel. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But Bobo, Bobo. Brazil. I used to hear Vince saying that name, Bobo. Yeah. And Vince Sr. was another, it was, was a guy that, you know, and Bobo Brazil was a main event wrestler throughout the United States and used by so many promoters like Vince's dad, you know, like the Sheik, like Dick the Bruiser, um, like Eddie Graham, like the Crockett's. Because not only did the guy uh, work well and you get his money worth, he was a guy that fans love to see. Bobo Brazil and Pedro Morales, Bobo main event at Madison Square Garden. When he was the United States champion, he teamed up with Pedro Morales and he had 27,000 at Madison Square Garden to see him in the main event against the Mongols. <laughs> Another Bobo- stupid ass name. <laughs> Bobo Brazil. Sold out Detroit when he is um, feuded with the Sheik. Broke more box office records there than the Sheik had against any other opponent. That includes Andre. Um, in the in the WWA, uh, he Dick the Bruiser had him on top for a long period of time when he would make uh, matches for Vince Vince Senior. You could always count on him to be a number two babyface behind Bruno or behind Pedro. Bobo Brazil was so respected, he, and it's been recorded, it's been documented, and it happened, was the NWA heavyweight champion. He pinned Buddy Rogers and was recognized as the NWA champion. But whether, and while it doesn't reflect that and it's not recorded, um, as a title change, the fact that the NWA saw fit to, to make Bobo Brazil their number one guy, whether the, it stuck or not, he pinned the champion, and the, the NWA had no problem recognizing him as the NWA heavyweight champion. Because of how good he was, because of how many tickets he sold, and because he was a guy that was a professional wrestling champion. And again, guys like that don't grow six foot four black men in professional wrestling in the late 50s, early 60s. 
don't grow on trees and not as good as he was anyway. Nope. And coming from a guy who didn't have an extensive football background, he was just a big man that wanted to be a professional wrestler. And Houston Harris made his mark, but only as Bobo Brazil. And that's my list of names that didn't need to be changed. Coming in at number one, the greatest black wrestler of all time, Houston Harris. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. As we were recording, we talked about it at the top of the hour. At the top of the hour. At the top of the episode. Tate Machine's Relic! Uh, at the top of the episode about who was debuting tonight in AEW. Well, we had two. Jay White, Switchblade. Mm-hmm. International Wrestling Superstar. The very next segment. WWE's huge loss. We've talked about it on this episode. At Speculatory, we talked about it. For about a year, WWE wasted this man, period, straight up. I put none of the blame in his corner. And AEW hopefully will capitalize. And the capitalization is a shot trite to the top of the damn company. Put him on the poster. Put him on the TV guide. Uh, you know, the digital guides on your TV. Put this man face first. Keith Lee is debuted in AEW. We're not going to talk about the match because we're dis- because we disagree on how the match is handled, and I completely understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from, Craig. But Keith Lee, limitless, limitless, Mrs. Mia Yim, Mr. Mia Yim, Keith Yim, Keith Yim, Yimitless. This is their hashtag, not mine. Uh, is an AEW. Thank God. Yeah. I'll watch AEW alone for him. <laughs> I, I'm that much of a Keith Lee mark. And, and there's no surprise. It, Like I said, we've talked about him many times on the show. And what a fucking letdown it was in WWE. Again, I want to reiterate and triple, thrip, triple quadruple down on. Not his fault at all. I will put no blame on his corner. How the WWE fucked that up. And he's in AEW. So it remains to be seen. Made his debut at goddamn Atlantic City. Ha! Ha! How you feeling, man? Uh, I feel good, uh, and I knew that I would. Um, very so good. Bad. So good. And I've got you. I've got you. I've got. I've got both of you. Yeah. Um, I only, and I've said this after every debut by a former WWE wrestler. Um, if they do it the right way, if he's featured on television every week. In short wins. Talking to you, yeah, Tony. Really not that hard. I mean, I know you're not a big Jay Lethal fan, but when he debuted in AEW, he loses his first match. And then he's never seen on TV again for another month and a half. Listen, he's a sex pest, but as far as what he, they did to him for TV, if they're going to go with it, since they're ignoring apparently what he's done in his personal life, it's kind of stupid to have him go, oh, uh, and he's done. Yeah, or you bring in Adam Cole and have him team up with the Young Bucks and six and seven man tag team bouts. Why isn't he on TV every week? Well, it's the same with MJF. He's the number one year on your company and <clears throat> wasn't on TV for, for weeks. That segment this, to, to open the show today was really good. Yeah. He, he just, he, that's the MJF you and I have been talking about for a year and a half. He milked it. For 20 goddamn minutes, he had people carry him out on a goddamn throne. 
because yeah. he beat CM Punk, the best in the world, and now he's saying he's the best in the world. Old school right there, man. That's old school heel shit. I know you're surprised. I am. I, what, I, what was surprising is that they waited. AEW's been on now for three years now. Their first year and a half, there was no MJF on TV every week. Stupid. Why, again, why? Stupid. And why is, why is MJF not on TV every week? Why is some of the caliber of Jay Lethal not on TV every week? Why is FTR not on TV every week? But, it, but 2.0 is. Danny Garcia has been in more main events on AEW than, than Miro has. Why? Why is Orange Cassidy like get a TV spot every goddamn week? But Powerhouse Hobbs doesn't. Ricky Starks doesn't. But we have to see the guy with his hands in his pockets every single week with the best friends. I don't get why it's being done this way. Why your best wrestlers have to sit on the sidelines and have how the guys that aren't anywhere near as good or the, the comedy acts have to be featured every single week regardless. Well, time will tell, but AEW is now limitless. And with that, we're signing off. Craig, where can the fine people Follow your fine content, your fine ass content. The fine ass, my but the fine mime work you can see of me on the Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Legon, C R A I G L I double G E O N S. Follow my fine ass content at <laughs> all social media platforms, Dan Law 83, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. OnlyFans, 23andMe. <laughs> what was that site everybody cheated on their spouses with? The, uh, the, Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Yes. Camgirls.com. E-Harmony. E-Harmony. Jewdate. J-Date. J-Date. Farmers uh, fucking.com, whatever. Uh, follow me at Tamla83. Uh, look up the radio network, H-I-A-C Talk Radio Network, on your smart device. Use any podcast app. Type in HIC Talk Radio Network. Please mash the hell out of the subscribe button. Bash it. And listen to our content. Please say hi. Leave a review. Positive ones. For Craig Legans, I am the other guy. Dan Calchico. See you next week. I'll be here all week. Keep it on the paper. (laughs) 